the, the book of Obadiah this morning. Uh, Obadiah, and we're going to be looking this morning at verses 10 through 14. And we're going to continue uh, our study of this brief uh, book. Um, and we have been looking at the, uh, the Lord announcing uh, a judgment that is going to come upon uh, the Edomites due to their uh, rejoicing over the destruction of Jerusalem. Um, can, Jerry, can you grab that door? Um, uh, over the destruction of Jerusalem and over, over the rejoicing of God's people uh, being persecuted. Uh, what this really this morning is intended here is uh, to talk about the reasons for this judgment uh, or this, uh, this indictment, we're going to refer to it as, this indictment against Edom. And really, the Lord, through the prophet Obadiah, is very, very direct as to why things are happening. Jerry, once again, <laughs> um, uh, why these things are the way that they are. Uh, and so as we look at this this morning, I want to look at verses 10 through 14, and we're going to, we're going to read um, all of these verses. They're lengthy verses, but they give us the, the full intent of what's uh, happening here. It says there in verse 10, For thy violence against thy brother Jacob... Shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast one of them. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger. Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction, neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape, neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. The expression that's kind of at the forefront of our subject this morning is at the end of verse 11, it says, thou wast as one of them. Thou wast as one of them. In these verses, we are really seeing the Lord announcing an indictment or what we might refer to as a summary of charges being read against Edom. These charges are being read because of Edom's rejoicing and participation in the destruction of Jerusalem. What is striking here is the indictment and the summary of these charges is not so much based upon what they did violence-wise, but how they stood back and watched what was happening with joy. In other words, they were not necessarily the main reason that Judah or Jerusalem was under attack or under persecution, but they were bystanders. Uh, we hear a lot about that word today about innocent bystanders. Uh, sometimes the word innocent bystander is used improperly when we say, well, I wasn't really doing the violence, so I wasn't really doing the wrong activity. I was just standing there innocently. That really is, is, is an improper use. There really is not an innocent bystander because that bystander who's standing there is in a way giving or showing his or her approval. Uh, we think about the most obvious one in Scripture is Paul standing at the stoning of Stephen. 
There's no evidence that the Apostle Paul ever picked up at that moment that he ever picked up a stone and actually threw a stone at Stephen, that he was actually responsible for the actual death by a stone that he threw. But he was standing there in an accepting manner. He was standing there watching this, and he was not taking action. This is really what this indictment that's being read against Edom by the Lord is. Uh, We can be assured today that even the rejoicing that is occurring uh, seemingly at an accelerating rate over the persecution of God's people will one day bring the judgment of God. Uh, We we are always burdened when we see people around the world. And and again, in our country, uh, we're not seeing it yet at the scale that it's happened in other parts of the world. Uh, But it is alarming at the amount of persecution that's going on worldwide and how many people are rejoicing in what seems to be a destruction of God's people. I uh, will give you hope this morning that uh, those things do not go unnoticed. And not, not only do the persecutors go unnoticed, but the bystanders who stand back and rejoice in the attempted destruction of God's people also do not go unnoticed by God. And that gives us hope today. But we need to understand that the reasons for this judgment this indictment against Edom. And he's very specific in verse number 10. One of the first and main reasons that this indictment is coming against Edom is due to violence against a brother or violence to a brother. Look again at verse 10. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob shall shame shall cover thee and thou shalt be cut off forever. Now, why is there a reference to thy brother Jacob? Because remember, the Edomites, uh, descendants of Esau, and we know the connection between Jacob and Esau. So this is violence. Notice, violence against thy brother Jacob. But again, this is not Edom so much as guilty of the actual violence, but they were bystanders, so the violence that that was happening against them This indictment is summarized as violence to your brother Jacob. Now, the very special thing about the sin of Edom, which they're guilty of, and for which uh, there is an expectation of judgment, is that it's a sin against his brother. Uh, Violent injustice uh, is even more reprehensible when it's done against a brother. And I think we'd all agree with that. I think we would say that there's, there's probably nothing worse than to, to deal violently, violently with a brother or brethren. To deal with them in a manner that is a persecuting manner. The, the brotherly relationship here is, is indicated sharply by the use of the name Jacob. This is, this is God's word being very, very direct. Thy brother Jacob. There's an emphasis here that this is being accelerated and this is being amplified because this violence is being done against your twin brother. The awareness that supposed should have been in the Edomites is that instead of helping their brother who's in distress, they were inciting the violence against their brother. Uh, We're going to see in these verses that not only do they show that violence, uh, but they show it by actually gloating and rejoicing in the fact that they are suffering the way they are. 
it is, it is an indictment that is read, and notice he says, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. We've already looked over the last few weeks how that, um, all, that their, all their possessions, all their power, all the things that they relied on, even their fortress rock cities, uh, were going to come under the, uh, the judgment of God. Nothing would be able to protect them. And this might, even be, this might even be the worst of it all. Shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. So verse 11 continues not only the reasons of this indictment, but it gives us a statement of the indictment and also describes it. He says in verse 11, In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that strangers carried away captive his forces and foreigners entered into his gate and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast as one of them. In God's eyes, Edom was just as guilty as the strangers who carried away captive God's people and the foreigners and the people that cast lots. But they were just bystanders. They were just standing there, and yet God says, you are like one of them. I know we live in a society today that we're, also, we're getting to a place where sometimes we're afraid to actually get involved. We're afraid to get involved in things, uh, and there are some things I don't believe we have any business being involved in, and that's for another day. There are things that we as believers, there are, there are things that, that are, they are not worthy of our time. They're not worthy of our energy. But I will tell you this, that when God's people are under persecution, when the truth of God's word is attempted to be hindered, I believe you and I have a responsibility to stand up and protect the truth of God's word. We have a responsibility to stand up for that which is true. Uh, we, don't, we don't have a biblical responsibility uh, to stand up for a political party. I hope you understand that. Uh, you do not have a biblical responsibility to declare uh, what party you are. But you do have a biblical responsibility to stand up for the rights of what God's people and to stand up for the persecution of God's people. And that's what the line is being blurred in our society today. We have, we have some people that are so, they're so stirred up about temporal things, but they're not stirred up about the persecuted missionary. They're not stirred up about the violence that's going on against a brother or sister who's overseas or even in our country who's being hauled away for doing nothing more than preaching the gospel of Christ. Folks, it's easy to get our priorities messed up. It's easy to become that quote-unquote innocent bystander. And yet God says, if you're watching my people being carried away, you're just as guilty. Now again, we cannot, you, you and I, I hope we know this, we cannot fight all the evil that's in this world. You, you, don't, you and I don't have the capability of fighting it all. And sometimes I think we become so, so driven to destroy all evil, we're not paying attention to the evil around us in which we could take a stand against and we could stand up against it and say, listen, this cannot be tolerated. Now again, this indictment against Edom, God looked at them and considered them just as guilty as those who were carrying, away, carrying them away captive. Edom was, was just indifferent to the whole thing. They stood by, they watched. They didn't offer a helping hand to their brother. Uh, and it didn't just stop there. After Judah and Jerusalem specifically was conquered by the enemy, then we realize that Edom does join in on the enemy, join with the enemy, and they 
take of some of the spoils. Believe it or not, God is actually going to indict them and accuse them of looting. Imagine that. Oh, they weren't the ones who did the original violence, but they came in and they took the possessions of God's people and they did it. And God says, you're just like one of them. See, it's easy for us to try to draw divisions between who's most guilty. And yet God's word says for to be a bystander here, you're just as guilty. They not only watched, but the Bible says that they cast lots. And if you don't study the history about what it meant to cast lots upon Jerusalem, this is, this is quite alarming. Uh, the, lot, the casting of lots was to determine which prisoners went to which people and which goods went to which people. In other words, you watch this take place as your brother, Jacob, Israel, was being put into captivity. You watched it and didn't do anything about it. Their attitude was not only were they rejoicing over it, but they were expressing their approval. Their attitude, well, this is what Judah deserves. This is what they deserve. And that's that attitude that Edom had, especially towards Jerusalem, that there is a, an announcement of judgment that's coming upon Edom. Now, uh, I, think, I think there's an application here uh, that anyone who does not act against evil according to the possibilities he has in a sense, makes himself one with that evil. Now again, you and I cannot fight every evil in the world. But what about the injustice that's done to God's people? Okay, what about the injustice that's happening? What do we, what do, we do about it? Again, we're not calling for some violence. We're, we're, we're simply saying, are we concerned about other brothers and sisters in Christ? Are we concerned about their lot or are we so concerned about what's going on in our lives that we fail to understand that ultimately our great purpose in this world is not to make even this great nation of ours the greatest nation in the world we're called to proclaim and preach the gospel and there are things we stand up for that maybe they're good there's nothing wrong with them but are we standing up for the right things are we standing up for those things that are evil that is against God's people? Look, when we know that God's people are being persecuted, we know that God's people are being imprisoned. We know that uh, there are gospel preachers who are being taken away uh, and placed under arrest for doing nothing more than proclaiming the truth of the word. And yet, the least we can do, folks, the very least we can do, and maybe the most powerful thing we can do is actually pray and empathize with them. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, we've almost, we're becoming, I don't know, maybe the, maybe the last year and a half and the, the, the exhaustion that's come from that, we've almost become numb to some things going on around us. At least for me, it's things that maybe alarmed us before and we're, we're kind of just saying, well, yeah, that's just another thing. That's, yeah, that's another person. That's another, and again, we ought to be praying for the persecuted. I'm, I'm, I'm all for praying for, and we're, we're, by the way, we're commanded to pray for leaders. We're, we're commanded to pray for our country. We're, we're commanded to pray for leadership, whether we agree with it or not. But are we praying for persecuted believers? 
I mean, I'm using that term, that's the least we can do it. I hope you're not, I hope you're taking the tone of what I mean here. That doesn't mean that it's, it's, it's of no value, but it's not to stand there idly and do nothing. Um, we're all part of one body. So wherever we have the opportunity, we actually look as to how we can help, right? So this is different than, than, than what we just simply say, well, it's none of my business. I'm just going to stand to the side. God shows us here that Edom, especially with regard to his people, look what he says in verse 12. He says, but thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger. All the indictment says is you should not have looked on the day of thy brother that he became a stranger. That look is not just the physical eyesight. It's to look with approval. It's to look and say, I'm satisfied this is happening to them. I'm satisfied, neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Israel in the day of their destruction. Edom was rejoicing that thy bro his brother Jacob was being destroyed and looted and plundered. Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Really, folks, verse 12 is really the summary of what the indictment says. You didn't actually commit the crime, you didn't commit the attack, but you are just as guilty and just as subject to the wrath of God and the judgment of God because you were accepting by your attitude. Again, we know that this indictment being repeated, verses 13 and 14 kind of add a supplement to this. It's as if as Obadiah continues to pen these words, more things enter into his mind. Remember, we talked about this. This, is, this was labeled in the very first verse as the vision of Obadiah. So Obadiah is writing this, again, by a vision that's being given to him. Again, there's no reason and there is no value of visions in our world today because we have a completed copy of God's Word. But it's almost as if things continued to cross across his mind and as the Holy Spirit guides him, he writes down these words. This indictment seems to be supplemented with more. So there would have been enough of an indictment, for example, in just, in just verses 10, 11, and 12, but it's as if verses 13 and 14, this indictment is supplemented with even more. Look again what it says. So these verses, 12, 13, and 14, really form one complete thought here. And primarily, this supplementing of the indictment deals with the consequences. So this, this remarkable picture that we're given, we find a series of what, I, I counted these, it's a series of eight negative statements. Okay, so these eight negative statements that Edom has expressed about the misery that has come over Judah. Now each one of those eight negative statements or expressions corresponds to a description of the day of Judah's calamity. In other words, each negative expression connects to the calamity or the misery in which Judah is enduring. Each time, there is a reference to the day. All right, now that's it's important. The day is a period that's indicated in which Judah is undergoing uh, some of this persecution. Now, remember... Some of this, if not all of this, this persecution that God's people were enduring was because of the discipline of God. 
Now that's a key thought to remember here. This was not some random attack by a random nation on God's people. These events that are being mentioned here was actually Judah being subjected to their own discipline by God. So Edom is standing back and they're looking at the discipline of God and they're rejoicing and gloating and boasting in the fact of what's happening to them. Now you say, why is that important today? Because I want to tell you something, we are, we are prone to this, and I hope we're all understanding this today. We are prone to look at the trouble of another brother who maybe by our own estimation has done something wrong, who's worthy or quote-unquote deserving of God's judgment, and sometimes we sit back with rejoicing in our own heart and saying, you know what, they're getting what they deserve. We've all been guilty of that. We've all been guilty of looking at someone who's under the discipline of God and saying, you know what, they're getting what they deserve. Folks, there have been people over, and you go into any generation, and you especially go in the generation of the church, and you will find people have been hurt by someone else. People have been hurt by another brother or sister in Christ. But I'm telling you, We don't have any right to stand on the outside and look at a brother or sister in Christ who's under the disciplined hand of God and rejoice and gloat and say, I'm glad they're getting what they deserve. We understand that what's happening here is that Edom wasn't just indifferent. They were gloating over the misery that Judah was going through. They stood there in groups, in mass. With with one commentator put it this way, you can almost see Edom rubbing their hands in pleasure and just laughing or smirking about what was happening. Almost as if they were saying, as the Edomites were watching this, this is how we like things to be. Now remember, you've got to remember the history that goes back between Jacob and Esau. That's key to understanding part of what's happening here. The very downfall of Judah was making the Edomites happy. With Edom, it didn't just stop at gloating. They also expressed it audibly by boasting, by putting up rejoicing words. Folks, this is what I refer to as the spirit of Edom that can be observed even daily in our own life. This spirit of the Edomite that that as we see things happen around the world, there, there is a rejoicing when some of these brothers and sisters across the world are uh, martyred. There's a rejoicing by whole nations. We're glad those Christians are gone. It's bringing great joy to the enemies of the cross. There are people who watch God's people who, who are destroyed, who are persecuted, and there are people who are actually taking joy in this happening. There are people in our nation today who their greatest pleasure would be to see the true church in this, in this country fall to the ground. Like it's, it's, it's what they want to see. They want to see the church as we know it. The, tr- the church that's standing for the true gospel, they want it destroyed. And if it happened, they would rejoice. Not just rejoice, they would have the spirit of the Edomite that is like, great, they got what they deserve. We got rid of all of those hate-filled Christians. Isn't it amazing that true Christianity is being labeled as as a message of hate, and yet it is the hate that's trying to destroy Christianity from the ground up? 
See, it didn't just stop there. Now remember, Obadiah's prophecy, okay, now let's make, make sure we remember this. Obadiah's prophecy was not a justification for Israel's rebellious attitude of its own. Remember, they're under the disciplining hand of God. This is not God saying, you know what, Edom is wrong, and Israel, we should, uh, they're justified in their rebellion. No, folks, this entire picture is a sad picture. This is a picture of God's people in absolute rebellion, and yet the Edomites are rejoicing and gloating over the rebellion. But don't forget at the heart of this, there's also a problem with Israel's attitude. Now remember, today, and again, I say this respectfully and in many ways carefully, the nation of Israel is, for the most part, as of today, a Christ-rejecting nation. That's just the truth, okay? Right now, they, they are, for the most part, Christ-rejecting. Now, we can't just simply say that God's okay with them rejecting Christ just because of what the Bible says about them being the chosen people of God. They are still accountable to respond to the gospel and repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ alone. Israel is not getting a pass. Folks, there's this really, there's this really weird teaching that's gone on for years that's kind of got this idea that in its entirety, Israel will ultimately, the, every Israelite, every, every Jew will ultimately be saved. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. This is, this is not God turning his head away and saying, listen, they were okay in their rebellion. I'm, we're justifying their actions by pulling out justice on the Edomite. Israel is guilty of its own rebellion. A lot of times people don't even know how to approach the Old Testament, especially when you get into these prophets, especially the minor prophets, because we're losing sight of the reality that a lot of what the minor prophets were talking about was the rebellion of Israel and its rebellion towards the God that it should have known. I mean, think about, think about the, the power in the Apostle Paul's statement in the book of Romans when he says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Yet Jacob for the most part, is a rejecter today of Christ. So there is not a pass being given here. But ultimately, this enmity that Edom is expressing towards Judah, God is judging Edom for that attitude. If you go to Ezekiel 35 for just a moment, I want to show you a principle here. Uh, this, this is God giving us a direction as to boastings against God. In other words, how does God deal with boasting against him? Ezekiel 35, uh, looks, let's look at verse number 10. He says, Because thou hast said, These two nations and these two countries shall be mine, and we will possess it, whereas the Lord was there. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord God, I will even do according to thine anger and according to thine envy, which thou hast used out of thy hatred against them, and I will make myself known among them when I have judged thee. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, and that I have heard all thy blasphemies, which thou hast spoken against the mountains of Israel, saying, They are laid desolate, they are given us to consume. Thus with your mouth ye have boasted against me. 
and have multiplied your words against me, I have heard them. Thus saith the Lord God, when the whole earth rejoiceth, I will make thee desolate. As thou didst rejoice at the inheritance of the house of Israel because it was desolate, so will I do unto thee. Thou shalt be desolate, O Mount Zion, and all Edomea, even all of it. And they shall know that I am the Lord. Specifically here, the Edomites saw the whole country of Israel and Judah left in a desolate situation. God had used the Babylonians. God had used the Chaldeans. God had used them to carry away the people, ravage the land. So here you have a picture of Edom, the inhabitants of the city and the rock, saying, these two nations, these two countries, all shall be mine and we will possess it. Edom's looking back and saying, because of Israel and because of Judah's desolation, we, Edom, are going to take it. God is responding to that saying, God's still there. He would never allow them to lay hold of his possession. From this one incident, we look and see that whatever may be the, whatever may be the nations and the devices and the people, the enemies of the people of God, this is the effectual barrier. God says, this is my heritage. This is my land. These are my people. We have the assurance that there is a protection of God's people ultimately so that God's people will never ever fully be destroyed. Now again, this before we condemn Edom, and folks, there are more than one occasion in the Bible where it's very easy for our old, wicked, nasty pride to rise up and look and say, I can't believe how wicked and awful the Edomites were. And by the way, their actions should be condemned. But folks, we need to examine ourselves honestly. Okay, this is an application. We need to examine ourselves honestly. Does the spirit, at least, does the spirit of the Edomite rise up in our hearts from time to time? And what I mean by that is, do we sometimes find some inner satisfaction? We may not say it verbally. We may not even express it. Nobody may see it. But do we express an inner satisfaction or an inner attitude of rejoicing when someone else is in trouble? I had to think about this really hard this morning. Because how quickly does that attitude of I'm so glad someone's getting what they deserve. Rise up in us. And it could be a lot of things. And we're living in a world where people are just, you know, I don't mean to keep badgering this, but people are just expressing their opinions publicly now. We see it. Things I would never have known about people before, people now publicly broadcast it. And it angers you because you see, how does someone think and feel that way? And sometimes if we're not careful, our old heart gets drawn into this and we get drawn into this idea and we say, you know what, what that person really needs is really needs, forgive the expression, really needs God to bring them down to size. Now again, maybe I'm confessing to you a struggle of my own, but I, I suspect we've all had that spirit in us where we in some even small fashion, we rejoice in the downfall of someone else who had a difference of opinion than ours. 
Folks, this is why you see some churches being ripped apart at the very seams is because you've got brethren because of a difference of a point of view about something that doesn't matter is ripping the church apart. There are churches who are now closed over opinions about things that didn't matter. Things that were not any value for the eternal glory of God. This, and I, I said this months ago when we were in the middle of this thing, I said, there is, there is some, and this is not a prophecy, this is just, you could see it. This was going to result in a great purging of the church. And it has. This year and a half has, you, you look, around the, look around the country, and if you really do some in-depth research, look at what's happened to a lot of churches. There are people that have abandoned it altogether. They're gone. They're not coming back. And I'm not talking about heretical churches. Because I'm telling you, what has me really burdened is the heretical churches are on the increase. They're growing. But the true churches, there's a struggle. And again, when you get to the heart of what's happening here, you've got brethren who are wishing bad on another person because they had a different point of view about something. I'm not going to waste our time today about saying what those point of views may have been recently because we all know what they are. But yet, is that really a reason to have a spirit of an Edomite is because someone has a different point of view than I have? I would say no. But look again at verse 13. He says, Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. What does that mean? Entered into the gate. This is a reference to the looting. Although Edom did not help conquer Jerusalem, they appeared at the gate that's aptly and specifically called my people. That's, this is God's word. You, have, you, did, you should have not entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. They didn't help conquer Jerusalem itself, but they did help to loot the city. They were eager to share in the downfall and to take of the spoils. They took, folks, don't miss this. Edom ended up taking what God had expressly denied Esau years ago because he had given it to Jacob. This was not just coincidental. Remember, Esau sold that birthright. This is not just a one-time event that is one day Esau just raised up through as Edom and raised up against Jacob. This was a long-standing hatred. So they took active part in the looting. They took an active part in taking the possessions. They, they rejoiced in the suffering of Judah. The pain of Edom's Amusement of this. This is similar to finding someone who's already in misery and just driving them and kicking them even more while they're already down. But it didn't stop there. He says, Not only, yea, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance, that's the looting, in the day of their calamity. Remember the, the negative statements, in the day, in the day of distress, in the day of their calamity, in the day of their affliction, in the day, all these things point to specific times. Neither shouldest thou, verse 14, have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. 
Edom did choose to continue a further mischief against Judah. They had an unquenchable hatred towards the people of God. There was nothing at this point they would not do and nothing they would not inflict. Edom is indicted because it didn't do anything. As God said, they were as one of them. They were bystanders. Now again, the main point today is not for you and I to examine our own life and say, what am I a bystander in? But I am showing us a principle from Scripture that says, listen, there, there, God is emphasizing this. And where God places the emphasis, that's where we place the emphasis. And there's no doubt he's placing an emphasis, an emphasis on the judgment that is coming to bystanders of the persecution against God's people, even when that persecution against God's people is by the hand of God himself. It's really kind of a thought, isn't it? We're not, we shouldn't be rejoicing in the disciplined hand of God. Even if it's somebody we feel as if, well, they deserve that. We ought to be in prayer for their restoration. We ought to be in prayer for their return. But this spirit of Edom, it's alive and well. And it should not shock you when you see a great round of applause go up by the ungodly when God's people are being persecuted. I don't mean this to, to frighten you. It's happened in past history. But there used to be arenas full of people rejoicing at the martyrdom of Christians. It became a spectator sport. You and I live in such a comfortable environment. We don't think this kind of stuff can happen. But the reality is there are people, there are Christians today, again, not trying to be morbid, just giving you the truth. There are people who are being martyred for their faith and it's a spectator sport. It's happening all around this world. And I think we have a responsibility to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world, regardless even if they are under the disciplined hand of God, remember that great promise from Hebrews is when God chastises his people, it's a sign of sonship. He's trying to restore us. But yet again, we ought to be careful about our own heart. Examine our own heart. Is that spirit in us that rejoices at the downfall of another? And I hope our hearts are right in this matter. All right? Well, we'll stop there for the